beloved, you are listening to Grace Life Komi Podcast, a platform commissioned by God to raise men into completeness in Christ Jesus. We believe that you will be blessed beyond measure as you give yourself wholly to this divinely inspired teaching. Through God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna. Grace to you, Jesus is Lord. Beloved, we will like to introduce to you one of our latest book releases. Titled, The Greatest Word from the Greatest Man, authored by Chimdi Ohahuna. This book unveils the greatest word that ever mattered to the destiny of mankind. The truth of the redemptive work of Christ is presented in its simple and astoundingly profound format. The greatest word from the greatest man is especially good for new additions to the family of God. That is, babes in Christ. It offers deep, clear, and simple knowledge of God's love, the God-man Jesus and his purpose, the dead man owed God and its settlement. It is highly recommended for every believer in Christ. Order a copy today via Amazon. The Bible is a practical book. It's not a theory. It's not a novel. It's not a what else again? Um, literature. It is a practical book. It's a book that you can practicalize on a daily basis. So the purpose of this Bible study is to see how we can practicalize these miracles. How we can bring these miracles, like they will say, how we can bring it home. How we can make it, you know, uh, uh, easy for us to understand. Because someone, when you read the Bible, the Bible was written in context. It was written in the Jewish context. Um, somebody said it's a Jewish history book. That is a limited understanding. It was written in the Jewish, um, you know, traditional context. But it has a global context, and it can be relevant to every tradition, every every um, personality. The Bible can be relevant to everyone. So the purpose of Bible study is to make this book that we have so far read in a Jewish context practical in our daily life. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 13 says, it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. So that's the reason for this. We want to make it practical, we want to make it everyday so we can understand it. So the first miracle of Jesus was Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, every one of us knows this miracle. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. I'll quickly read through it. It says, and the, th- and the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. If you look at this way it's rendered here in King James, it makes it look like they never had wine from the beginning. I you know what I'm saying? Because it says when they wanted wine, as if they started the wedding without any plan for wine. Nobody does that. I you know what I'm saying? Everybody planning a wedding makes plan for uh, refreshment is that not so? It reminds me of a wedding that um, a particular brother told us about. They had they they had done every arrangement for the wedding, but they forgot the cake arrangement. <laughs> they forgot the cake, and he said they were almost concluding the church service when they realized that there was no cake for the reception. He said somebody called the the groom did not know. The organizers were the ones who remember. 
Somebody called him and said, Brother, no cake. We will not cut any cake. How do we do this work? He says, See trouble. He started running everywhere. He ran around around looking for cake. Cake became, you know, we are looking for something. That's when the thing become good. He <laughs> said, Cake became good that day. <laughs> because he was looking for a cake that would be a wedding size cake. He said they were looking for cake, looking for cake, looking for cake. And as they were looking for cake, he said, as God we have it, by the mercy of God, he got to a bakery to welcome this. He got to a bakery where they could find cake. The cake was happy birthday cake. So he just brought a caterer and told the caterer, please remove happy remove birthday and put happy married life. And they quickly arranged the cake. And took it straight for the wedding. So it just I'm just bringing that scenario to help us understand that nobody goes for a wedding without preparing. You prepare refreshment, you prepare cake, you prepare everything. I also that another situation where the couple they had prepared everything, but they didn't have money for wedding cake. So they made a bar and used the fondant to decorate the bar as cake, and they cut a bar as cake. But only cake must be there. It's only them that the cake. You get what I'm saying? So what am I trying to say? Nobody prepares for a wedding without preparing for refreshment. So if you look at this verse of scripture here, it makes it look as if they did not prepare. But that's a King James rendering. They actually prepared. Are you get what I'm saying? It says, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Um, that's why some of the times when we study, we use um, ASV, American Standard Version, we use closer to the originals so that we can get a clearer picture. But I am a King James boy, so I usually most of the time use King James, but I also go to the original Hebrew and quick to help out. Alright, it says, um, Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. Now, another thing I want to quickly look at here is this statement. Um, when you listen to this statement, um, some people believe that it was um, an arrogant or insulting statement that Jesus made. Woman, what that he was talking to his mother, and in our in our recent time, a child tells his mother, "Woman, what do I have to do with you? If it's my if it's my mother, it's backhand, it's not fronthand. So we used to arrange your face back. You understand? Saying, <laughs> woman, what do I have to do with you? Um, my hour has not come. But you have to study the Bible in an original text." Now, if you go to the original Hebrew text, this was not actually a statement of arrogance or a statement of rebellion. It was actually an idiomatic expression. So Jesus was saying, Mama, this thing is not our business. So that's what that in the original Hebrew, Aramaic, that's what that statement means. Mommy, this one is not our business. So we came to wedding. We are supposed to be giving refreshment. Why should you consign us that wine has finished? I get what I'm saying now. But you know, um, the the story goes on like that. All right, it says that his mother said unto the servants, "Whatever he said unto you, do it." This is another very important um, statement in the Bible that we need to understand. Um, our life runs on this statement. Whatever he says to you, do it. I was talking to a gentleman. I went for a minister, a pastor's conference, a minister's conference, and the thing he was teaching us, he was to come and teach Bible school students. Not, and I'm not in Bible school today. I just heard about the conference. So I went to, I was not in the Bible school. 
So I just came from the conference ahead and I knew the person who was um, teaching. You know, so he was teaching Bible school students. And so imagine you want to come and teach Bible school students. What do you want to do there? These people are the ones that read Bible back to back, front to back, everywhere. And he told them something. He said, What do I want to tell you people now? <laughs> that they have not told you in Bible school. And then he said something. He said, one day he went for a minister's conference and the person who was teaching was an advanced white man. The guy was giving so many principles on how to succeed in ministry. Many principles. He said and while the man was teaching, he discovered that his spirit was being disturbed throughout. And he was like, Lord, why should my spirit be disturbed when somebody of this caliber is teaching? So he managed to finish the meeting and he went back home. He said he went back home and just normally slept. He said when he woke up the next morning, the Holy Spirit told him something clear. What did the Holy Spirit tell him? He said, the Holy Spirit told him, anywhere you are like that by grace, never give principles for it. And so he said, my beloved students, this is all I have to tell you. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. That principle is not only for ministry, it is for business. It is for every aspect of life. Mary knew her son, Jesus. So, when Jesus said, it's not our business, she said, I know my son. My son cannot see need and not meet it. So, I know that he's telling me it's not our business, but I know that he also knows that there is a time for this. So, let me go and prepare the heart of the servants, so that when his time comes, he will do the needful. She knew her son that she grew up with. She trained this boy. She knew that this boy, this young man cannot see a need and close his eye to the need. So he will meet this need, but he just wants the right time to meet the need. And so she gave the servants a very important information that they needed when the son's time comes. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. That is a basic principle in succeeding in life. Whatsoever God tells you to do, do it. Why is that so? What he may be telling me to do may not be what he may be telling you to do. For somebody may tell the person to go and sell pure water. For another person, tell that person to go and sell biscuits. But it's the same person telling us to sell. So if you want to run with what he's telling you and not listen to what he's telling you, you will not be successful. So that's a basic principle in life. Time will tell me to give you a lot of stories on this particular line. That is not my focus. But I just wanted to stress it a little. Because we live in times where, by the day, it's becoming unpredictable. In the um, 20th century, we said we're in the jet age. Now, in the 21st century, which we are in, is called the information age. And in this information age, Information changes every six months. Go online. Every six months, information upgrades and changes. So in these unpredictable times we are living in, in this time where information is changing at least twice a year, you need to move with the pace by hearing what he says you should do better. Now, so this is not the time where you need to wait for somebody to tell you what God is saying. Are you going to say, you need to be able to hear what God is saying for yourself. Because if Mr. A tells you this is what God is saying, in the next two minutes, information can change. <laughs> Why do I say so? I'll give you a quick Bible story. The old prophet and the young prophet, remember the story? 
the young prophet God sent him into the village, into the city, to go and give um, a, 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 to carry out an assignment. And God told him, as you finish carrying out the assignment, just make sure you start moving straight out. Come back. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't pass the night. Don't drink water there. Don't do anything there. And the young prophet said, yes, Lord, I hear you. The young prophet finished carrying out the assignment. And as he was going, the old prophet in the village, in the city, came and met him. And he said, you are a servant of God. Oh, the Lord told me to tell you to come and pass the night in my house. But this young prophet, God told him before he went on the assignment, once you finish, Alele, start running. Don't, don't even look left, don't look right. Like the way God told Lot and, Lot and his wife, don't look back, just be going. And the young prophet was carried away with the old prophet's bear. And he followed the old prophet. He went to his house. It, the old prophet gave him food to eat. As they were on the table, as the young prophet put the first food inside his mouth, the old prophet had not heard God for long. It was, a, it, it was an old prophet. The, when the Bible says he was old, he was not old spiritually and physically. Suddenly the old prophet said, started prophesying. Thus say the Lord. You have disobeyed the Lord. And because of that, <laughs> you, you will not come out of this city alive. A lion will devour you. The same person that said God told him. And as it was, as the young prophet was going out, a lion from nowhere came and devoured him. Killed him. And the old prophet and his son came and buried the young prophet. So this instruction, whatever he tells you to do, do it is very important. If Mary did not give those guys this information, that this miracle would have never happened. The miracle we desire is always dependent on what the Lord tells us. Always dependent on what the Lord tells us. I am not against prophets. I believe in the prophetic. The Lord uses me to give people counsels. He uses me to function in that dimension. Yes, he has used me. He uses me to do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? But I believe more in what I hear God for myself. I always tell my wife something. I say, gift is different from hearing for yourself. When you are functioning in the prophetic, you are functioning under the gift of word of knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? And when you are functioning in gift, gift is not meant for you. It's meant for others. But when it comes to you now as an individual, you cannot live your life with gifts. The Lord will not lead you with gifts. He will lead you by his voice and by his word. But he can use the gift in you to lead someone else. And that's the reason why this statement is the key to every miracle. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Very important. Very important. All I say is, uh, let me quickly run away from there. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing two or three fekings apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, 
But the serpent which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. The other one said, Every man at the beginning of the wedding, he will give the good wine first. That means they had certain shedding wine. I get what I'm saying. And the wine had finished. I get what I'm saying. Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. So he was telling him, the way we do it in wedding is that you will bring the good wine first. There are people who first drink the good wine. Then when they are now drunk, they are finished drinking, they are satisfied. Then you now bring bad wine out. Say, but how come you did it the other way around? You changed the normal protocol. Because that's what the miracle does. Miracles always alter protocol. They alter human protocol. So whenever you need a miracle, be ready for one thing. Be ready for God to alter human protocol. Alright. Since this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word in the name of Jesus. Now, um, we have seen this particular story. Many of us have read it. We know this story. We are going to be taking time to keep studying this storyline because um, it's important to us. Amen to Jesus. Alright, the above verse of scripture details the first miracle that Jesus did. Um, it's important that we know that Jesus performed over 40 recorded miracles. Now, I use the word recorded because the Bible says that if all that Jesus did were to be recorded, no book, all the whole books in this world would not be able to contain it. Now, so, based on the recording, it was, they did over 40 recorded miracles. And of all these 40 recorded miracles, the first of its kind was this miracle. The wedding, the miracle of the wedding in Canaan, in Galilee. Praise God forevermore. Alright. Um, these miracles included, we all know, healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, um, ch um, changing nature. He also changed nature. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright. Um, but far uh, more than just a miracle, this miracle was more important because of the message it contained and conveyed. Um, we're going to be looking at the message that this miracle contained. Because in every miracle that Jesus did, there was volume of message. One of the problems that we usually have, especially Christians, is that we are focused on the miracle, but we are not focused on the message in the miracle. Every miracle contains a large volume of message. Um, I have been studying my Bible. When the Lord dropped in my spirit and said the miracles of Jesus, it was like some. When did I tell you? It was like, I can't even. Jeremiah did about I just told her, the Lord was saying, the Lord, the Lord dropped in my spirit and started on the miracles of Jesus. We're doing a study, um, the words and life of Jesus. All right, we're doing a study and it's on, it's on our podcast. The teachings are uploaded there. That was what I was doing. We also did a study on Jesus too, but the miracles of Jesus have never done it. Just studying his miracles, I've never done it. So this is my first time studying and teaching his miracles. Now I'm like, okay, since the Lord is saying let's study the miracles, now let's look at the miracles. And it's now I began to understand that every miracle was not just the open blind eye, that is the end. No, there was volume of information in that blind eye opening. 
He raised the dead. That was not the end. There was so much volume of information in that raising of the dead. I'll quickly touch something and come back to us and come back here fast. Now, if you go through the Old Testament, go and read your Bible from um, Genesis to Malachi. Throughout the Old Testament, there was no miracle of opening the blind eyes. Read through your Bible. Raising the dead was there. Healing the sick was there. Elijah raised the dead. Eh, Elisha, Naaman, he did think it was there. But opening blind eyes, it never happened in the Old Testament. The first person to open blind eyes was Jesus. Why? There was volume of information there. When we get to the miracle of opening blind eyes, I'll tell you the volume of information there. Let's look at the one we have now. If we begin to understand the volume of information in every miracle, it will go beyond just that the surface. We begin to comprehend it in our daily life. And then it becomes our daily reality. And that's the purpose of miracles. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so the question is this. Why did Jesus change water into wine? Why did he change water into wine? Um, Jesus would have just made wine appear now. Is that also? He would have just made wine appear. Say, so, okay, um, where are the servants? Go and bring all the jugs of wine. Okay, in fact, if he doesn't want to make wine appear, remember when um, the, the widow of the prophet met Elijah and she said, my husband was a prophet and he was a debtor and he died in debt and he used my sons as collateral. So now the debtors are coming to collect my son, my sons as their collateral. And he asked her, what do you have in your hand? She said, just a cruise of oil. She said, all right, that's fine. Go and blow vessels, not a few. And he said, lock yourself inside the house. And begin to pour into the vessels. Bible says she poured from that small cruise and all the vessels were filled up. She didn't know where she was just enjoying the pouring. And she didn't know where she finished pouring. And she asked her son, any more vessels? Son says, is it not of us already pour it? Vessels are finished now. So when the vessels finished, the oil what? The cruise dried. And she went to me the program and said, I don't understand what's happening, sir. This oil was just pouring and pouring and pouring. He said, take all of them, go and sell them, and pay your debts. Jesus should have told the servants, is there any small one remaining? They would have said yes. So, go and bring plenty cakes. Or you have to wine this time. That would have been a beautiful miracle too. Is that also? The, the whole cake should have been full. Why did he have to change what happened to wine? This is how we study the Bible. We ask questions. Why? Somebody once said, he who knows how, remains the subordinate but he who knows why remains the boss if you know how to do the job they will employ you to do it is that also but when you know why the job has to be done you'll be the one employing the one that knows how to do the job that is why phd graduate he knows how to do the job a person that did not go to school we employ him to do the job so the questions we ask in life is not how the questions we ask is why when the why is answered you can fix the how that's why we don't even ask God how you do no it's not our business Lord why should you do this matter if God tells us why you should do it how we do it is no longer our business he takes care of that by himself so why did Jesus turn what time to why now Jesus did this first miracle to teach us a pertinent lesson which is that Jesus can provide for our needs 
both envisaged and not envisaged ones. Not envisaged needs are what you call emergency needs. I get what I'm saying. We all have emergency needs come up. In life, they must come. No matter how you plan, emergency will come. Uh, emergencies, a visitor that you never plan for, that we always come. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. The wine ran out in the wedding because they did not envisage it. They didn't envisage it to run out. This don't mean that, you know, they did not plan. They planned. Are you going to say? But it was not envisaged. So this means that according to their plan and budget, which is normal in event planning, anybody wants to do it, you plan. How many people are we expecting? 500. You budget within that range. And you now add maybe another 20. So in case it's 520. They planned. It's not like they did not plan. They planned. But you know what happened? They didn't envisage that it's not why we run out. How did it run out? I can't tell you now. Maybe some of the people that came, maybe they planned a cup per head. And some people drank 20 cups. <laughs> you know they're everywhere. They're in every society. You see some people they will come to wedding and they'll hide some food inside. You know that's not <laughs> they hide some food, even not that fast that they hide it everywhere. So you are planned for 500 people, but only one person is 50 people. So what is your fault? It's not your fault. They planned. But the all for sin came up. You get what I'm saying? Praise God forevermore. Amen. They had made provision for everyone that would be in the attendance. But despite their meticulous attempt in planning, life played out on them. My brothers, my sisters, we all know life will always play out on us. We all, is that not true? It must play, life must play on us. No matter how much we plan, life must play out on us. That was what happened to these guys in the wedding. Life played on them. And you cannot pray to an extent where life will not play on you. You cannot plan to an extent where life will not play out on you. There's no way you can do it. Because this is life. Life must play its game. <laughs> must play its game. Even today you see a human being, he's standing. The next one will tell you he has died. The next one will tell you he has died. Let's not go to machines that the thing is working now. You have done servicing. After servicing is na 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 na. Before I know it, kaput again for you. Life will play out. And these are things you cannot, you cannot, you cannot do anything about. Are you get what I'm saying? Praise God. So in life, no matter how much you plan, no matter how much we cross our T, no matter how much we dot our I, the unforeseen must always come uninvited. It must come uninvited. And somebody who likes to plan, I plan a lot. And now I plan so much that one day one of my pastors told me, you plan and plan God out of your life. I like planning. I plan, I cross my teeth, I dot my eye. And the, what I studied in my first degree also makes you overplan too. Accounting. You know, the British people, they are the ones who brought the thing to us. They say to collect money from British man's hand, very difficult. Arabize. Because that money, he has planned that, that 10 pounds, he has planned it from, from the first one to the last one. My biological father is an accountant too. 
So the, the planning team was too much in the blood. But despite all the planning, my brother, many times life has played on me. You do all your plan, life will still play its game on you. The unforeseen will still come uninvited. You don't need to invite the unforeseen. The envious for NBC, you don't need to invite him. He comes without invitation. In our county, they call it unforeseen contingencies. They, you don't need to invite them. They will just come without invitation. That's why they are not seen. You don't, you, you don't, they are unforeseen. Praise God. Even in situations where there are backup plans, backup plans, so yet the unforeseen will still bust your backup plan. This is life for you. Now, this does not rule out the place of an importance of planning. It's very important. It's not negotiable. Please plan. It's very important to plan. You get what I'm saying? In fact, if you want to succeed in life, you have to plan. Very important. I still plan. I love to plan. I still plan. We all have to plan. Are we together? Now, the, uh, the, the truth that planning is very important is seen in the, um, the fact that Jesus spoke about planning and the disadvantages of not planning. If you look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 32, Jesus spoke about planning there. And he spoke about the disadvantage of planning. If Jesus spoke about planning, that tells us planning is very what? Important. You must plan. He says, for which of you intended to build a tower? Seated not down first and counted the cost, whether he, he have sufficient to finish it. That's talking about planning. Less happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all, that behold it becomes a mockery to him. Then he says, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king? Seated not down first and consulted whether he is able to with ten thousand to meet him that com- comments against him with twenty thousand. Or else, why the other is yet great way off. He sent it an ambassage and desired condition of peace. So Jesus is talking about planning here. You get what I'm saying? It's very important to plan. Very important to plan. Planning is important in life. But no matter how much we plan, we will always need divine intervention, which is called the miraculous. No matter how much we plan. Why? Because life will always play on us. Because the on and the sage we always come uninvited. And how it comes, we don't even know sometimes. It just comes. How life plays or not, some of the times we don't know. But it just plays. And that is why a miracle is always needed. The reason for this is that no matter how many our plans are, it is still the counsel of God, the will of God, that must stand. So if we plan without making provision for divine intervention, we are planned to fail. Very good to plan, but at the end, it's still the counsel of God that we stand. Proverbs 19 verse 21. There are many devices. The word device is there. One of the words that explain the Hebrew word for devices means plans. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. So no matter how much you plan, at the end of the day, it's still the counsel of the Lord that we stand. Then you ask a question, does that mean I should not plan? No, you have to plan. Why are you to plan? Because planning is a proof that you are responsible. But no matter how responsible you are, divine intervention is what will make your responsibility become success. So responsibility without divine intervention equals failure. 
The responsibility without the miraculous equals failure. But when you add the miraculous to your responsibility, then you are successful. And God will not add the miraculous to a person who does not plan. Is that sure? Yes, I'm sure. The man at the poolside who said, I have no man to help me for 38 years. He was there. He was invalid for 38 years. He said, when Jesus came, and Jesus said, what's happening? You can, he said, I've been here. Every year, once in a year, the angel comes to stir the pool. He said, and whoever jumps in first, the person gets saved. But for me, I've been by this pool for 38 years, and I have no man to help me. Jesus healed him. Why? Because Jesus saw an act of planning in his life. He saw a responsible man. This man stayed by the pool for 38 years. That means he had vision to be healed. He took a plan. He told them, I beg, if I cannot move him, just put me close by. Maybe one day, something will happen. Somebody may like me. He may push me. When the angel, it was, he, he had a plan. And you cannot say, maybe somebody may just like me one day. And when the angel stirs the water, he will just push me to enter first. So he had a plan. But if he was not by the pool and was in his house and waiting for the day, the angel will stir water. And somebody will now come and carry him from his house to the pool where the journey is found. <laughs> Nobody will like him that much. But somebody may mistakenly push him one day. Maybe even the person that wants to jump in. When he comes there and he wants to jump, he mistakenly pushes him before jumping in and he will not get you. So he had a good plan. And Jesus saw a well-planned man. Jesus said, this one, your planning is good. I will help your planning. I will tell people, what is favor? Favor is God's Pat on the back of your labor. Say, telling your labor, you have labored enough, let me take over. My brother, if you don't have any labor at all, and you are waiting for the favor of God to pat your back, what will you pat? <laughs> so, planning is very important. But planning will be done with the provision for what? The miracles. Are we together? Now, when the counsel of God stands, a miracle has happened. The moment the counsel of God stands, a miracle has what? Happened. This is so because a miracle is the restoration of nature to the plan of God. We learned that in our previous lesson. That's what a miracle is. Restoring nature to the plan of God. Now, as seen in the miracle on that story, the presence of Jesus in the wedding was to show that no matter how much we plan, this, is, this wedding, this is the first information inside this miracle. So Jesus, is present, Jesus came to that wedding to make us understand that no matter how much we plan in life, we will still need God to meet our needs. Why? Because life, we always bring needs to us that we do not envisage. That's why I came for that wedding. Just came to teach us something. No matter how much you plan, you will still need me. Because this life will give you needs I did not plan for. You plan for 500 people in this wedding. Some people came, and only one of them, only one was 50. Another one was 20. Some, they, they carried the food that they will eat for the next three weeks in the wedding. Did they plan for that? No. That is life. So Jesus said, you always need me because there are needs that will come your way that you not plan for. That's the reason why I came, sir. Now, so, secretly preceding, what are we to do when planning? 
Now we have understood that that's what Jesus came to teach in that way. Then. With that belief, that's what he came to teach. That's why he said, my hour has not come. Why? I need the right hour for them to understand what I'm doing. So now, having understood this, that we always need a miracle, what are we to do about planning? What are we to do about planning? Number one, always make provision for divine provisions. <laughs> In other words, when planning, always make provision for the miraculous. Why? Because you can never plan so well that you will not need a miracle. You can never plan so well that you will not need a miracle. This thing I'm saying, I'm not only really talking from the revelation of scriptures, I'm also talking from experience. You can never plan so well that you say I no longer need a miracle. Because why? There are some unforeseen contingencies that always come up. It's part of life. Number two, divine provisions, that's miracles, are emergency plans for emergency plans. Divine provisions are emergency plans for emergency plans. What does that mean? When your emergency plan fails, a miracle steps in. So when you say, I have planned it all, and I've even made provision for an emergency plan, my brother, emergency plan can fail. Okay, if you did not make provision for a miracle, if you did not trust God, when your emergency plan fails, what will you not do? So miracles are emergency plans for emergency plans. So what do we do? We have to always believe in Jesus and expect miracles. Every day you must expect miracles. Every day. Say, so put in that miracle is the only way we come for a service. That's when miracles happen. No, 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 no. That's not when miracles happen. Miracles do happen every day. Why? Because we make plans every day. That's why the Bible has said many are devices. We make plans every day. Some people just plan to wake up in the morning and by the time they wake, they, they wake up, they discover that they are up. Can stand, but they are down. Cannot stand. Have you not heard situations like that? <laughs> Some they just discover that they cannot go to the toilet again. But last night they went to the toilet. This morning they cannot go. This is life. That's why we expect miracles every day. And that's why miracles have to be our emergency plan for our emergency plan. So when the emergency plan fails, miracles will always come in. That's how we must believe Jesus for miracles every day. And then, the third thing we have to do when planning is to understand this, that miracles are emergency plans when there is no emergency plan made before. So, when you have not made an emergency plan, a miracle will be your emergency plan. So, what does that mean? We have to believe in Jesus and expect miracles on a daily basis. You see, if we don't have this understanding about the miraculous, we we'll look at miracles as something that only happens when we gather together, when somebody pray and shake the atmosphere, you know. In our last study, we, knew, we understood that miracles have to be a daily thing. Now, this brings it to home to us now. Because when you have an emergency plan, you need a miracle 
to be your emergency plan for your emergency plan. When you don't have emergency plan, you need the miracle to be your emergency plan. And after you have planned, you need to see, you still need the miracle in case the unexpected shows up. The reason why Jesus came for that wedding was to make them know that life will always bring the unexpected to you. But I am there to meet the need when the unexpected shows up. That was the purpose. Can I get your questions if you have any? Is your moment of salvation. If you are yet to make the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior, we request that you say this prayer along with many others now. Say this words, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, I repent of my sins, and ask that you forgive my sins. I believe that you shed your blood on the cross, died for my sins, and rose again in the third day. Today, I invite you into my life today. Wash me by your blood, make me your own, until eternity be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you Lord Jesus, in Jesus' precious name. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available, to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. Account number 033-154-551-2013. Swift code M B G H G H A C to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. You can send to account number 033-254-551-2017. To give in Naira, you can send to EcoBank Nigeria. Account number. 5541020592 Also for further enquiries you can call us on +2334545947132 OR send us an email via chimdiohahuna ministry at gmail.com Today remain ever blessed We believe you were blessed listening to this teaching from God's Word. May your soul remain ever refreshed and revived. We would love to hear your praise report today. Beloved, remain connected to Grace Life Komi Podcast. Jesus is Lord.